Welcome to the Odyssey podcast. This is Jean Cavellos, director of Odyssey. Odyssey is an intensive six-week workshop for writers of fantasy, science fiction, and horror whose work is approaching publication quality. Odyssey is held each summer on the campus of St. Anselm College in Manchester, New Hampshire. Adult writers from all over the world apply. Only 16 are admitted. Top authors, editors, and agents serve as guest lecturers. For more information, visit www.odysseyworkshop.org. Podcast number seven is an excerpt from a lecture Christopher Golden gave at Odyssey in the summer of 2006 on setting the scene. The text of this recording is copyright 2006 by Christopher Golden. The sound recording is copyright 2007 by Odyssey Writing Workshops. It was interesting because when Jean asked me what I was going to talk about today, I said I wanted to talk about setting the stage, and she said, well, we already sort of covered setting. And I said, that's not what I'm talking about. It has to do with setting, but it isn't quite the same thing. Now, here's the key. You know, some of the stories that I've read of the seven that I've read for this event, they're all well-written, which was great. But some of them, actually, are, are, are good examples of, of what I'm talking about. They're good, but I think that, to me, they didn't have enough color. I didn't see what was going on. And as a reader, that's one of the things that I look for the most. I want to be able to see it. I want to be able to visualize it. So many of the people who read are lured by TV and movies and video games and all of this kind of stuff, and you're combating with that for their attention. People have an expectation of a more visceral, visual experience than they might once have had. Okay, so what am I talking about? The first thing I'm talking about is atmosphere and texture. So location is the first thing under atmosphere and texture. And I'm not talking about it from a setting perspective. I'm talking about it from the perspective of atmosphere and texture in your location, what you feel. So the first thing is visualizing and providing a smattering of details with urban and rural or rural touchstones. You know, if you're uh, in an urban environment, do we have... Um, gratings with steam coming up? Do we have, um, you know, a, an open manhole cover with men at work? Do we have a subway station? Do we have, uh, you know, buildings with old cornices or, or that are all steel and, and, and glass? This has nothing to do with what city you're in. It has to do with what you see and feel. If you're in a specific region, are there typical elements of that region? If you're in, you know, sort of old New England, is there, you know, a white steeple church in the, in the town. Maybe you, you're not in downtown, but maybe you can see it over the tops of the trees. And again, I'm not talking about belaboring the point. I'm not talking about going on exhaustively for paragraphs and paragraphs to set this up. I'm just talking about closing your eyes and imagining where you are. When you close your eyes and you imagine downtown New England or a town in New England where there's a downtown nearby and you picture in your head what else is around you. You know, you're going to see a lot of trees, you're going to see, you know, uh, you know, maybe some crappy mailboxes where somebody played mailbox baseball and maybe you see the steeple in the distance. So I'm not talking about setting to the extent of, um, of where it's located, I'm talking about what it feels like. Okay? And how you can visually get your audience to, to go there with you. So then under atmosphere and texture, the next thing I want to talk about is weather. 
I know a lot of writers will tell you don't start with the weather, like it's some big bugaboo that you should never do. I think it's probably more of a guideline than a rule. I've started with the weather many times. I, I, I think it's fine, as long as it's not the only thing you're focused on, as long as it's one detail, it's part of it. Because here's the thing, right? Weather is powerful as metaphor, but you don't have to just use it that way because it's also very powerful just as part of the atmosphere. Writing well, I think, is a combination of many things, many elements, but one of them is you have to have the ability to manipulate the reader to feel what you want them to feel without them knowing that you're doing that. I mean, certainly they are aware of it on some level, but you have to be able to to control their feelings and their reactions to what you're providing for them. So the use of the weather to control the feeling of the moment, and this is what all of this is about, setting the stage, how you're making the reader feel. Weather is, an, is a key part of that, and just think about it, you know, with rain, with sunshine, with snow, with hail, with crazy hurricane, you know, whatever it might be. You know, with a, a beautiful spring day, with a little sun shower. You know, I mean, all of these things have their, do their own things to your minds and your hearts. And they'll do them to the readers as well. Obviously, weather can interact with location to make an even greater impact on the reader. Where you put the weather is, uh, is key as well. The third thing related to this also with um, weather is seasons. Obviously, there are touchstones for every season that aren't necessarily weather-based. But you shouldn't, I feel, you shouldn't choose these things randomly. You know, you shouldn't just randomly say, you know, you shouldn't get to a point where your editor says, what time of year does this take place? When is this? Think about it. What serves you and the story the best? You know, does it make sense? Are you trying to communicate something that would, be best, take, that would best take place in winter? I think that all of those things deserve at least a little bit of thought in advance. When I'm talking about this, I also want to say that I'm talking about every scene. Now, obviously, you've, once you've set up certain things, you don't need to do them again. <laughs> but at the same time, each scene should have its own life. Each scene should have its own texture and feeling, especially if you're switching characters swapping POVs, moving locations. And as you get further into the book or into further into the story, you want to do less of it so you can be faster, so you're not bogging down the speed. But I do think that it's important. So the fourth thing, again, it, it seems like a no-brainer, but time of day. You know, if you're doing a scene, what time of day is it? Is it dawn? Is it, uh, you know, if you're in an urban environment, is it lunchtime? Are there crowds on the street running someplace? It, it's that sort of busy environment. Is it dusk? Is it after dark? And again, these things might seem unimportant, and they probably are. But if you choose them, instead of just kind of shrugging your shoulders and letting it happen, whatever comes to your mind at the moment, you can actually use them as tools, as ways, again, to, we spend so much time telling the reader things instead of showing and you know that the number one rule, of course, is show, don't tell. And this is one great way to show what you want them to feel without actually telling them. Under atmosphere and texture, the next thing is mood. I mean that in several ways. 
first, what's going on in your character's life at the time you stop to, to you start this story? The story that you're writing about your character isn't the only thing happening to them in their lives. Your characters don't exist in a vacuum. What kind of mood are they in? You don't have to talk about everything else going on in their lives, but who is this character? You know, their mood is going to affect the atmosphere and the texture of the scene. And it doesn't have to be in big ways. And may, you know, I should say this, maybe it won't. Maybe they're just a generally content person and, and, and it's not going to affect the scene. But at least give it a few seconds thought. And that might create story possibilities for you. Did, you know, did she just have a fight with her boyfriend? Did, did she, you know, anything like that. So there's that mood of the character, not just the main character, but also characters that interact with that character. What kind of characters are you dealing with? You know, did the best friend in the story just lose his job so he's pissed off but he's usually a really nice guy? This is stuff that comes into play. And then this is also something that is possible but is not going to come into play too much, depending on what kind of story that you're writing. But what's the mood in the world? Did, did September 11th just happen? Was there a big fire in the, in the little New England town that... Um, where eight people died and the town is feeling sort of morose. Is it the 4th of July and everyone is happy? The mood of the atmosphere that the character is moving through. You know, all of these things actually will affect, these are choices. And again, I'm not saying you have to go through a checklist and do every single one of these things. These are just tools that you can use when you're thinking about what kind of feeling you want to communicate to the reader. This is an obvious one, and it's more closely um, related to setting. Historical eras, different eras of the world. If you look at everything I've said previously, it applies in different ways to different eras. So, And actually, I would say that if you are writing in, in a historical time period, that the other points about atmosphere and texture are more important than they are if you're writing in present day. Or if you're writing in a fantasy world, it's more important. The other two quick things to add to atmosphere and texture are populace. So the presence or absence of other people. Again, if you're on a city street, is it jammed? Or is there no one there as if there's been some kind of an, of an apocalypse? So these are choices you're going to make almost automatically. But they are things that have an effect. You know, Do you want your character to be alone? Do you want your character to be alone in a crowd? Do you want your character to be interacting and bumping with people like the bishop and the old, uh, never mind, the old skits on TV? Um, also, animals, pets, affect the atmosphere of a story. Does your character have a dog? Does your character have a cat? An emu? I don't know. So, um, as silly as that sounds, this stuff affects. Then the last thing under this is um, the thing that Stephen King is always the master of, which is pop culture touchstones. It is so easy to overdo this, and also it dates you. So those are pitfalls of using popular culture in your stories. At the same time, I think that there's, there's a way in which, used judiciously, it helps, you, it helps bring the reader into the world of the character. They don't have to drink the same kind of soda that you do, the reader, I mean, but, uh, but it would be helpful to have at least a sense that they live in the same world, unless, of course, it's a fantasy world. But even then, I want to know what their culture is. So there's that. There's all of that.
But again, remember what we're talking about here is not setting so much as its effect, sensory input, which is the next topic. So we talked about atmosphere and texture, the world around you, the people, the buildings, the, the seasons, the time of day, all of that stuff, the weather. Sensory input is directly related, obviously, but it's a little different because it's more specific for me. The first thing, obviously, is sight. And by that, I'm not talking about everything that you see. You don't need it all. You have to do what Clay just did, which is choose a couple of things. And this goes for all of these categories. I'm not saying that you need to paint the whole picture. Painting the whole picture is a bad idea. But you need to help the reader to paint their picture. Okay? So, with sight, it includes all the stuff we talked about, or most of it, when it's observed by the character. If the character notices the cornices and the buildings and the picket fences and things like that, whatever the character notices are included in sight, right? But also, colors, patterns, observations. Is there vivid color? Is there a lack of vivid color? Is everything sort of washed out from the perspective of the, you know, of, of the reader, or excuse me, of the character? So you don't need it all, but you need something, I think, to anchor the character. Excuse me, make, make the reader feel like they're walking with the character. Also, all of this stuff, oddly enough, helps reader identify with your character. So you can, ha if, if you have a little bit of this stuff in there, you may not change the way your character behaves at all, but it's going to change the way the reader sees the character, like petting the dog. This is a more complicated version of the same thing, you know. So there's that. Obviously, after sight comes sound. And under sound, obviously music. What kind of music? Distant music. Um, you know, all of that. Is it some, you know, booming noise coming from a passing car? <laughs> Barking dogs? If you knew the ocean, the sound of the surf or buoys? You know, are there children playing? Are there people laughing? Is there a couple in the house next to you shouting at each other? doesn't have to be a plot point. It's part of your landscape. It's part of setting the stage for what's to come. Oh, and most important of all, under sound, silence. If things are quiet, it should mean something. You should use silence as punctuation or as, you know, less emphatically, as the undercurrent for something else. In the case where it's been loud or there's been silence um, or something's just happened, you know, the couple has just had an argument. Pardon me, she leaves and he notices how quiet it is. It's quieter than it should be. He's standing on the edge of the forest and he doesn't hear a single bird. The wind is dead, like there's not even the rustling of the leaves. And there's a moment in which he feels completely and utterly alone. And then the wind starts up again, and the leaves start to move, and, you know, he sees a bird fly, and he thinks, okay, I'm not completely alone. There's drama in all of this. In every single in thing that I'm talking about, there's drama to be found, you know, and even when you're writing comedy, there still has to be drama. Taste and smell go together obviously, because you can't taste if you can't smell. At least you can't taste much. So I think about certain things like spices and flowers. And again, don't have to be part of the plot. But is it there? Do you notice it? 
And again, I, let me keep reminding you, I'm not saying all of these things need to be in your story. I'm just saying, pick some. When you walk into a, a, a Times Square, well, not Times Square, you walk near Central Park, you smell the horse shit, but if it's the right time of year, you also smell the chestnuts roasting from the vendor on the corner, which is one of the greatest smells in the world. I won't eat that stuff, but it smells great. You know, so cooking food, there, there are stinking things. Um, a horrible odor is, is something that we all understand. These are all touchstones, all things that we get. Another odd thing, I think, is people's personal sense, and I'm not talking about stinky people because that falls under the stench category, but I'm just talking about, um, I knew a woman who wore this perfume. It was very sort of subtle, but it smelled so much of vanilla, like, like really like, like the stuff that you use to cook with vanilla. But it got to the point where I couldn't see her without thinking about that smell, even if she didn't smell like that. It's associated with her in my mind. Again, these are just touchstones. This is it's color. It's ways that you can create that. Um, last thing on sensory input is touch. Very simple. You know, very simple. It's you know, in the scene, clothes, bed sheets, your lover's skin, anything that falls under that category. So so that's that's basically it with sensory input. It, I know it sounds simple. I'm just saying that, that these are wonderful tools that can help the reader go along for the ride with you, that can bring them into the story. The text of this recording is copyright 2006 by Christopher Golden. The sound recording is copyright 2007 by Odyssey Writing Workshops.